Good to see you this morning. Those of you who have joined us in the room, those who have joined us online, we're glad you're with us in worship. We're going to uh, return again to our current series, part three of our series, Forward, Living and Loving Like Jesus in a Post-COVID World. The first week we talked about our walk with Christ as individuals, abiding in Christ, having a relationship with him day by day, and how we need to make sure that's a part of who we are as we move forward in uh, this post-COVID world that's beginning to emerge. And then uh, last week we talked about how we're a part of the family of God. We're not alone. And we need to be fighting for unity. And our unity is in Christ, in Christ alone. And that we need to be focusing on the maturity of one another and helping each other grow in Jesus. This week we're going to talk about the idea of being engaged in and the activity of being engaged in what God is doing in the world today. I had a friend say to me, uh, about a year ago, just as COVID was beginning to be a term we all understood and there were a lot of questions and uncertainties, uh, she said, Sean, I think God is up to something big. I think he's up to something very big. You know, as we emerge into a post-COVID world, we're hearing stories of how God worked in places like India, where a ministry partner I'm familiar with that we've supported here at Calvary normally would have 125 to 150,000 people come to Jesus in a year's time, and in 2020, they had 650,000 people come to Jesus. I know that even in our ministry, as we've had folks come to us, and as people are beginning to get back to work, there's a lot of anxiety and uncertainty. There, there are fears. There are people in, in our community who are dealing with things that they didn't deal with emotionally before now, and there's just a lot going on with strife and brokenness in marriages and families. There's a huge opportunity right now for the body of Christ to be as vibrant and strong as it can possibly be to point more people to Jesus. And I think it would be easy for us to make excuses. I came across a list of excuses a few years ago, and it's interesting because it's, it's phrased in a way that says... Uh, these are the reasons I gave up going to sporting events, but it might reflect um, some of the responses really to things in church. It seems a little silly for sporting events, but some of it applies more to what people say about church. The top 10 reasons I stopped going to sporting events. Number 10, the coach can't remember my name. Number nine, the games are scheduled on my day off, morning to sleep in, or time to run errands. Number eight, the people sitting in my row didn't seem friendly. Number seven, my parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. Number six, I had to walk more than three or four minutes from where I parked my car to get to my seat. Top 10 reason I stopped going to sporting events. Number five, the band played songs I didn't like or don't know. Number four, I got tired of talking about the game with others the next day. Number three, a 20% chance of rain was forecast on game day too many times. Do you notice how you don't hear these excuses so much in the sports world, but maybe you might hear them in the church world, these last two. Number two reason why I stopped going to sporting events, too many games went into overtime. <laughs> number one, the number one reason I stopped going to sporting events, every time I went, they asked me for money. <laughs> now you're here, you've joined us online, you're here in person, and so uh, you're not making excuses for leaning in today. 
But one of the things that can happen when we gather like this, either online or in person, is that we can slip into a posture of leaning back and get into being spectators of what God is doing in his local church, what God is doing, doing in and through the church around the world, what God wants to do in our lives. Today I want to talk about out of the stands and into the arena. Out of that place of being a spectator Christian, down into the arena where you are leaning in and you're sharing your faith with others, you're engaged in, in ministries as you go about your life, you're engaged in the life of the church and what the church is doing locally and globally, you're engaged in building up other believers and sharing the hope of Jesus with others. Out of the stands and into the arena. And I wanna to go to one of the most famous stories of all of scripture, it's the story of David and Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. In the story, there are a whole bunch of people who stay in the stands. They remain spectators. But there is one individual, an unlikely individual, who steps out to make sure the name of the Lord is lifted up when the name of the Lord is being dragged through the mud. And that individual is David. He's willing to get out of the stands or off the sidelines and into the arena to be engaged in what God is doing. And I think he's a great example for us. So turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel 17, or you can go there, of course, on your mobile device if you have a Bible app there. But join me in 1 Samuel 17. And as we look at this passage, I want us to understand today, today that because they sit back and watch, too many Christians miss the great joy and deep satisfaction of engaging in what God is doing in the world today. There is a deep joy and a great satisfaction that comes to us as we are engaged in our individual lives, as we're engaged with our local church, as we're engaged in what God is doing around the world right now in this post-COVID world. We need to be leaning in, not leaning back. We need to be a church that has a posture of participating, not spectating, especially at this time. Now, I think there are five excuses here that kind of emerge in this story that could be made by David or are made by others as to why they won't engage this giant named Goliath. You remember the story about a thousand years before Jesus walked on planet Earth, long before David was king of Israel. He was a shepherd from Bethlehem. His brothers are off at war with the Israeli armies. And uh, the Israelites are on one hillside. The invading forces of the Philistines are on the other side. There's a valley in between called the Valley of Elah. And the Philistines would use a form of fighting where it'd be man on man, and they sent this giant that was just under 10 feet tall out named Goliath. And he would challenge the other armies and say, you send one man out to fight me. If I win, you all become our servants. If he wins, we become your servants. And so this challenge happened, we read in the text, for 40 days, every morning and every night, this took place, but none of the Israelites would step out alone in the valley of Elah with the giant named Goliath. And, and finally, uh, David shows up, not to fight the giant, but to deliver food to his brothers and to the armies from his father. And he can't stand that Goliath is mocking the God of Israel. And so he says, I'll go fight. And he does go fight with that sling. A stone hits the giant in the head and he falls to the ground. Now, David was willing to get out of the stands and into the arena. I think we can learn some important lessons from his life and we can look at these excuses that could have been made that day that we can make today in our post-COVID world as the followers of Christ. So these are the five excuses that keep us out of the arena. Five excuses that keep us out of the arena. Number one, the first excuse, excuse number one, I'm already busy. 
I'm already doing things. Now, for some, uh, the COVID experience maybe took away some of the busyness of all the different uh, Little League events, all, all, all the stuff that was going on, and maybe there have been some good patterns that have de- developed, but sometimes we can say, I'm already doing these things, and these things aren't that important, but I don't have time for the things that maybe God would have me do. If you look at verses uh, 16 through 19, even into verse 20, verse 16 of 1 Samuel 17 says, for 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening. He took his stand. He mocked the armies of Israel. He challenges them. And then we get to the the next part of this passage here in verses 16 and 17. We read about, it's kind of like, meanwhile, while the Philistines and Israel are doing this, the giant keeps challenging them and making fun of their God. Back in Bethlehem, Jesse uh, said to his son David, Now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their units. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. Jesse says to David, you go and you deliver food to your brothers, and I want you to tell me how things are going. So David leaves his sheep. Look at the responsibility of this young man. He leaves his sheep with a shepherd, and then he goes and does what his father said. Now, David set out that day not to be the warrior who defeated Goliath. David set out to be the cheese delivery boy. He's delivering cheese and grain and bread to the armies. He's delivering these to his brothers. It was not his intention. He didn't get up and say, at 10 o'clock, I gotta, I gotta fight a giant. He was doing his ordinary stuff when God gave him an extraordinary opportunity. And we can say we're too busy because we've got these other things, but there is something about being faithful in the little things of life and being faithful in those things rather than just looking for the big stuff that maybe we think God wants us to do. He sometimes meets us in those little things and those opportunities arise to step into what he is doing. Somehow here, I keep pushing this podium down. All right, I didn't tighten it enough, I guess. I'll be down on the floor in a few moments just crawling, reading this to you. (laughs) So in this first excuse, I think we have to remember this. Being faithful in the little things fosters more than being busy in the big things. Being faithful in the little things fosters more than being busy with the big things. The little faithful things we're doing day in and day out are very important and prepare us and and make it possible. Those things we're busy with to be able to step into the opportunities God gives us to meet him in what he's doing in our world today. Here's the answer number one to excuse number one. I'm already busy. Number one, be faithful in everything you do. Be faithful in everything you do. In the little things, the medium things, the big things. Be faithful in what you're doing and God will open up opportunities and then step into those opportunities to be faithful in those other things. I remember uh, when... Uh, I was a teenager, a camp that I'd gone to often, and they knew who I was. I was about 16 years old, and you couldn't be a counselor at that camp, even for elementary school kids, until you were 18 years of age. And um, the camp called in the middle of the summer and said, hey, we got some more kids coming. This is in northern Indiana, and there were some kids coming from Indianapolis. They were being brought up and paid for to go to this week of camp, and they needed some extra counselors. And they said, normally you have to be 18, but we think you can handle this. Would you talk to your parents and come 
next week and help us. I thought, this is a no-brainer. I, at this point, knew God wanted me to be in ministry. as a, I committed my life to vocational ministry and thought he might even make me a pastor one day. And so I thought, this is just a natural path. And so I said to my dad, hey, they want me to go. What do you think? And he said, oh, really? They want you to go at a young age and be a counselor? That's a pretty big deal. I said, yes, it is. And he said, did you make your bed this morning? <laughs> what? Now, if you've read my memoir, we never made our beds. We changed the sheets like once or twice a year while I was growing up. And he's asking me about my bed. Did I make my bed? And I, I was confused. And, and then my dad said, um, if you can't do the little things, don't expect God to use you in the big things. And what you find David being is he's faithful in the little things. And so even though he's busy, he's ready for those opportunities that come. And he doesn't use that as an excuse that I've got other stuff to do. Proverbs 28, 20 says, a faithful person will be richly blessed. Remain faithful in what you have before you now, but be open to what God may have for you next. Secondly, excuse number two, others are better prepared. Others are better prepared. From the term that Saul uses to reference David's age, it's a Hebrew term for adolescent. So we believe David is probably about 16 years old. We know he wasn't 20 because he would have been off to war with his brothers. 20 was the age at which uh, Israelite men would join the army and fight. And uh, so he is not a, a trained soldier. He's not been to battle before. The, the, the giant Goliath had been to many battles. He'd never lost, but he's probably got many scars and wounds, and he's battle-worn. Uh, he's got the right equipment. He's got the right skills. He's got everything. And David is not really that prepared. And so sometimes we make the excuse, you know, I don't know the Bible enough. I've not been a Christian long enough. I didn't go to seminary. I don't know this. I don't understand that. And, and so we just say, God can't use me, and I can't step into this opportunity. I, I'm just not prepared. Others are better prepared. If you look at verse 32, when they take David to Saul and say, hey, this young guy who was delivering food to his brother says he can take on this giant. Saul says, oh, really? Verse 32, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Verse 33, Saul said, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man. You're an adolescent. And he has been a warrior from his youth. This guy has been a warrior since he's a kid. You're an adolescent and you're not ready. You're not prepared. And David responds by telling the story of how a lion and a bear came to get his sheep and he defeated them and had to grab them by their hair and rip the lamb back out of its mouth and he went to war with this lion and this bear. And so he says in verse 37, the Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. You are prepared. I didn't know. But he says, hey, try on my armor here. Use my armor. Use the sword. Use the, the, the helmet. And David tries that on and doesn't fit. He says, I can't use this stuff. Verse 40, then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with a sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. He could have said, I'm not prepared. Even those who looked at him said, he doesn't have what it takes. He doesn't have what is needed. And people may look at you and say, you can't serve in that way. You can't help in that way. You can't speak up for God in this situation. You can't plug in in the church in this way. You can't, you can't, you can't. Remember this, what you already have matters far more than what everyone thinks you might need. God's given you experiences. God's given you natural abilities. 
If you know Christ is your Savior, he's given you spiritual gifts. He's given you passions. He's giving you things that bring you to the point that right now he can use you as he calls you. Answer number two to excuse number two is let God use who you are and what you have. Don't make an excuse. Others are better prepared. Somebody else should do this. Lean in. Let God use who you are and what you have. Now, you might need to make sure you are who you need to be in the sense that God uses his children, his sons and daughters, to make a difference in the world. And you're not his son or his daughter until you are part of his family. And the only way you get into God's family is by faith in Christ and what he did for you on the cross. How he was crucified, he was buried, then he conquered the grave so that in new life you could then move forward and serve him. But how do we get that new life? How do we get into God's family? Not by our good works, not by coming to church, not by doing all the right things, but we get into God's family by putting our faith in the one who died, was buried, and rose again for us. And you can't even begin to be used by God to make a difference in this world as God would want to use you until you're part of God's family. Put your faith in Jesus. If you've done that recently or today's the day you're doing that or you have questions about that, we'd love to connect with you. I'll be out on the patio by the main parking lot where the sliding glass doors are after the service. A couple other pastors will be there. We'd love to speak to you. I'll have a care team member down front. If, if you... Uh, if you're here or you're online, you say, well, I don't have time to stop and see someone. I'm not able to. I'm not in the room. I'm not on the campus. Then you can text the name Jesus to the number below me on the screen, and we'll help you. We'll follow up with you. We'll make sure you know what it means to know Christ, to be his child, so that then God can use you and who you are and how he's wired you to make a difference in this world and to engage in what God is doing in our world today. The third excuse that would be easy as you look at the story is everyone knows the sincerity of my commitment. Everyone knows the sincerity of my commitment. Look at the sincerity of the nation of Israel, the soldiers of Israel. You've got Eliab and Saul who are described as head and shoulders above others. We know that Saul was picked to be king for that reason. Eliab, David's older brother, in 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, it describes him as tall and there would have been a lot of pressure every morning and every night for those 40 days and nights that Goliath stepped out. There'd be a lot of pressure for those guys to step up. There'd be a lot of pressure for somebody in the army. But look what David discovers in verse 20. It says, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army, the Israel army, was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. So... They get all ready, uh, they get ready as David's arise, uh, arriving, they're ready to go to battle, they've lined up, they're crying, they're yelling, they're making the war cry, they're shouting, they're making a lot of noise. Verse 21, Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies. He leaves the food that he's brought. He ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine, the champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. So Goliath does what he's been doing for 40 days, twice a day, and he curses the God of Israel, he mocks them, he, he speaks to them with defiance. And how do all these soldiers from Israel on this one hillside all positioned to run down in the valley in war, they've been making all this noise, how do they respond? Whenever the Israelites saw the men, they all fled in great fear. They fled from him. 
You know, there are a lot of Christians who make a lot of noise, even in worship services or online and what they post, they, they, they make a lot of noise about their faith and their God and their Christianity, but they're not doing anything. They're making a lot of noise, but they're not engaged in what God is doing in the world today, in the spheres of influence they have, in the local community and around the world. Taking bold steps proves far more than making loud noise. Are you just a noisemaker, Christian? Are you taking bold steps? Whatever the next step is, for some of you, that might be baptism. For others of you, it might be a discipleship class. It might be getting back into a small group. It might be something else. Some of you have been sitting on the sidelines, and, and now it's time to engage. I know there are some of you at home that are still not comfortable able to be with you, and we've talked about how we're going to keep doing things online, and we have a, a way in which we can serve you and work with you. You can even serve from home. You can be a prayer warrior. Uh, there are folks who are my prayer partners who pray during our services, and all through COVID, they've continued to pray even when they were at home. There are a variety of ways we can engage. We've got to take steps forward in our Christian lives. And let me just say, if you're at home, don't stay home one day longer than you need to because Satan will love that. Don't just come and make noise in a worship service. Find ways to engage, to build up your brothers and sisters in Christ and to reach out to people around you. We've got to be engaged in what God is doing in the world because that's where deep joy and great satisfaction come from. What's the answer to the excuse that everyone knows the sincerity of my commitment? I make a lot of noise. Sincerity is one thing. Activity is another. Answer number three, take your next step with God. Maybe it's be baptized. Maybe it's a class. Maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe it's joining a prayer group. Maybe it's leading something. Maybe it's a small group. Maybe it's serving in our care ministry. Maybe it's an usher or greeter. You know, we've had a lot of folks who have served in the past who maybe are at high risk and have to sit back. Some folks have gone to other churches. Some people moved away in the last year. We've had folks from other churches join us or move in from other areas. We've had people in the community just looking for God show up on campus and online. A lot has changed. There are a lot of opportunities and don't use the, the, the anonymity of the crowd on campus or even online to, to stay in that spectator position. Lean in, take the next bold step. James 4.17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. What's your next step? Take that step. Pastor Jeremy talked about how the bulletin, our, our website, calvarywestlake.org, has all kinds of ways in which you can take your next step. He's a great reminder to me of, of taking steps forward in the Lord. And, and he's got a passion about that as a pastor because he started out here kind of up in the distance and not a part of things and got deeper in. Listen to his story about boldly taking next steps in your life. Hey, my name is Pastor Jeremy Haynes, and uh, I started going to Calvary back in 2007. I met my girlfriend here, Lexi. We started dating and, and, and visiting here at Calvary, and I saw how the Lord moved us from uh, sitting kind of the top deck of the worship center to wanting to grow more and more in our faith and learning more and more about how to follow the Lord. And I felt like he kind of just pulled us down uh, closer and closer to the stage. And for us, what that meant is that we wanted to do more than just merely attend. We wanted to get to know people and have relationships and learn how to activate our faith uh, through being a part of this church. It's been a beautiful thing to see uh, Lexi not only uh, be my girlfriend then, but then become my wife and us raise four kids here at this church and grow up to, to be a part of the ministry. It's been just beautiful to be a part of Calvary.
I joined our staff in 2010 as Pastor Sean's assistant. I served under him for about uh, three years, learned a lot from Pastor Sean about leadership and being a pastor. Then I joined our small groups ministry for, for a little while, about a year and a half. I went to plant a church in L.A. with Saddleback Church, did that for about a couple of years, and then came back to Calvary in 2016 to serve as our, our pastor of discipleship and evangelism. Been doing that for a few years and now uh, supporting our Calvary Kids team over the last six months. It's been a joy uh, being a part of the staff and serving our community. Let's face it, all of us had a hard time this last year. I know for, for Lexi and I and for my kids, we were so encouraged to be a part of a small group the last year. And we had uh, tough times meeting in different ways, but that group became a lifeline for us. At the Haynes house, we were watching online, especially when the church uh, was unable to meet and gather together. We're watching online as a family, hanging out. And it's, it's just interesting how we went from watching online to coming back in the building. And some of those habits, those things that we were doing just to not only be a part of the services, but then talking about them, going to our small groups and talking more about how we're growing, how we're being challenged, how we're moving forward. And I just see my kids uh, really respond to, to being able to even listen to the music on Sunday mornings before we were able to even come in the building. And then now to be able to go back in the building, even this last Easter and sing some of those songs we've been singing from home. And it's been just beautiful to be back in the body life. My concern is that during this season, uh, not only are people struggling to have strong uh, spiritual habits and, and faith in place in their lives, but we're also struggling to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other as the Lord forgave us. I, I believe that forgiveness and kindness and compassion are at the heart of the mission that God has given us as followers of Christ. As I think about what Calvary's doing to help people move forward through this year, I just kind of go back to our mission. At Calvary, we want to help people learn how to live in love like Jesus. And, and for us, that's kind of like a process here. We want to help people learn how to see the church as a family. We want to help people learn how to develop habits and practices that help them mature in their faith. We want to help people learn how to find their gifts and their abilities to serve others. And then we also want to help people learn how to share their faith. Uh, we do that here at Calvary um, in, in intentional ways, and we do it in organic ways where you can just kind of see it happen. Uh, but even programmatically at Calvary, there's so many beautiful ways through Bible studies, through classes, small groups. We have retreats we're doing for our students this summer. We have Calvary Kids. We have VBS coming up. We even have our weekend ministries where people can gather together, be established in their faith, and then go out and uh, connect with their small groups and share their faith in different ways. Some of you are, are wondering, so how do I engage? I've been watching online. Now I want to learn. I want to be a part, a deeper part. Well, there's some great ways for you to serve. That's one of the ways you can get involved. There's, there's ministries we have where we serve the community through our community outreach. There's ways you can serve with our, our ministries inside the church where it might be with children or students or with adults through a leadership position, or maybe it's a, a weekly thing uh, that we, a weekly role. You can support the weekly and weekend services or what we do on the weekends and, or maybe even joining a, leading a small group or something like that. There's so many opportunities and ways for you to use your gifts and serve God by serving others. Maybe you're someone who can't come on campus right now. Well, I want to encourage you and just say that we love you. We want, we want to continue to grow with you even when you are unable to be on our campus. We have great online classes. We have great opportunities to encourage you in your faith. And I, I, I just want to say, I, I think there's ways for you to still uh, be a light in your home, be a light in your uh, neighborhood. Maybe it's your apartment structure, your cul-de-sac, your street, and even be a light to your co-workers. It's amazing 
being a part of Calvary now for almost 14 years and seeing what God's done in my life. I have a friend, a guy named Mike, that I used to be in a men's group with uh, years ago. We did a group for probably from 2009 all the way to 2013. And now fast forward to 2021, he is one of our core leaders in one of our classes. And we have such a great relationship together because we've been serving God together and growing together for more than a decade. And I just love how uh, these stories have happened in my own life where I've been able to see uh, deep relationships not only grow from the church, but then give us opportunity to serve the church that we've grown within. And it's been a beautiful thing to see that in my own life. We are a part of a small group, my wife and I, and uh, the families that we're connected to, we're always talking about wanting our kids to grow up together spiritually and also just have fun together and enjoy one another. My son, uh, almost every single Sunday, he's asking about who's going to be at church. He's going, is Luke going to be there? Is so-and-so going to be there? And I, I love the fact that my kids are excited to see their friends at church. And this is one of the places that we have come together with other families to grow together in the church. For those of you who are uh, with us today and maybe you've been attending online for the past year or perhaps you have just attended a few times, I want to encourage you uh, just to consider some of the ways where you can just lean in, where you can jump in, where you can develop some relationships, where you might be able to serve. Just pick something where you can move forward and being more connected to our church family, more connected to being a part of the body life of our church. Even as I shared earlier in my story, how my wife and I moved from the top deck to the middle to the bottom and what that meant for us and how we wanted to find friendships. We wanted to find growth. It might not look the same for you, but I, I, I guarantee there's one way that you can consider uh, taking another step to move forward in your faith here at Calvary. We want to help you. We're here to support you as you join us and get to know us. We want to get to know you. And I think it's going to be a beautiful journey uh, for you as you seek to take steps to learn more and more how to follow Jesus. I love that. I love Pastor Jeremy's heart. And you can sense that in, uh, as he shared his journey. Now, if you're way up there, we understand that doesn't mean everybody is sitting in the stands if they're up there, especially in the social distancing time, plus folks sit up there to be closer to their kids and, frankly, farther away from me as they can be. And just by taking your next step, it doesn't mean that you end up down here in the front row next to me and full-time on staff. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about engaging in what God wants you to engage in now. What does God have for you, for your family, for your kids, for you and your journey? And maybe it's the care ministry, maybe it's being a greeter, maybe it's working with children, maybe it's our seasoned adults ministry, small groups, there's all kinds of ways. Maybe you've been away from your church, your, your uh, small group for a while. Lean in, maybe you're new to us, lean in. You say, well, how do we do that? Can I suggest if you say, okay, I gotta take that bold next step, not just make a lot of noise, can I just encourage you to text the word ARENA to the number below me on the screen? It's the same number that I mentioned a moment ago to text Jesus to if you wanna... Uh, indicate you're coming to Christ today or want us to answer some questions, but text the word ARENA and our team will just follow up with you. You can say to them, hey, I want to be baptized. I wanna, I'm interested in this or I have a desire for this. I've experienced in that. How can I serve? How can I plug in? They'll help you. Just text the word ARENA. That's the only thing in the message to the number on the screen and you can lean in and take that next bold step. A lot of people just sit back and make a lot of noise when Jesus talked to his disciples in the upper room about what it would look like to serve one another and love one another to the point that it would make a difference in the world. He said, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. 
Don't just make loud noise. Take bold steps for God as you emerge from this past year of COVID. The fourth excuse that is so obvious in this story is the challenge is too big. David was a young man. He wasn't a warrior. Goliath was a giant who was a well-experienced warrior. If you look at verses four through seven of this chapter, you get the description of Goliath. Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. His armor probably made, weighed more than David weighed fully wet. I mean, this guy is like robo-warrior. He even has a, a spear that's described as a weaver's beam here. And it says the tip of that is iron, which makes him a technologically advanced machine. And it weighs 15 pounds. Just knocking David with this would, would just destroy David. And then it says his armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Not only is he tall, not only is he covered in armor, he has a spear, a javelin, and a sword. And David would notice that later in the chapter when they face each other. But Goliath also has an armor bearer who carries a shield. Not just a little shield like this, but it'd be like a wall. And the, the, the shield would be made for Goliath as a warrior. So it would be a wall in front of Goliath that would come to here. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we don't see that in the story between David and Goliath was this shield bearer carrying this wall and he'd go down like this. So if you tried to attack, Goliath could just pull out his spear, the spear, the javelin, the sword, and he's standing behind this big wall. Sometimes we say the challenge that I'm going through with my family, my marriage, my finances, my, my health, my job, my career, the, the stuff I'm going through, it's too big for me to be engaged in what God is doing in the world today. May I just say that you got to think about it this way. The size of your God determines far more than the size of your giants. The size of your God determines far more than the size of your giants. Keep leaning in. I know there are times that people have to step back because of this that's going on or that that's going on, but sometimes when they lean back, they stay leaning back and they don't engage. God may give you opportunities in the midst of dealing with your own giants. Answer number four to excuse number four is trust God no matter what. Trust God no matter what. You say, but the giant is so big, the odds are so overwhelming. Trust God. Step into that space of sharing your faith, of, uh, of reaching out, of making a difference in the lives of others. 1 John 4, 4 says, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Do you believe that? We need to believe that to be engaged in living and loving like Jesus in the post-COVID world moving forward. Someone put it this way, the giant in front of you is never bigger than the giant inside of you. You have God on your side. Trust him no matter what. The challenge is never too big. Fifth and finally, the fifth excuse that would be easy to emerge in our lives today and would have been easy to emerge in the story of 1 Samuel 17 is I'm waiting for the perfect opportunity. I'm waiting for the perfect opportunity. David could have said, well, I'm waiting until Goliath is just worn out by somebody else, or I'm waiting for this, or I'm waiting for uh, someone to give me uh, armor that would fit me. I'm waiting for this perfect scenario. It seems that all the Israelites, including his older brother Eliab, who was head and shoulders above others, and, and King Saul, they're waiting for some perfect opportunity to come on, come along. 
I hear people sometimes throughout the course of my pastoral ministry, they'll say, you know what, pastor, we're so passionate about God and, and we just got married and when we have kids, we're gonna really plug into the things that God is doing in our church and in our community. And then they say, oh, pastor, we're so passionate about God, but we got little kids, we're waiting until they get into elementary school. Then they say, pastor, we're so passionate about God, but our kids are in elementary school, we're waiting until they get in high school, maybe one of them drives. That'll help us really get engaged in small groups and ministries and build up others and be a part of outreach and make a difference in the world. Then they say, oh, we've got kids in high school. We're getting ready for college. It's going to be tough. We've got to get ready to pay for that. We're, we're, we're really excited about God, and we're, we're committed to engaging in what God is doing in the world today, but we're going to wait till we're empty nesters. Then they become empty nesters, and they say, you know what? We're just kind of taking a deep breath because we've been so busy, and now we're visiting the grandkids, and, and you know, when we get up a little more into retirement, and then they get to retirement, they say, you know, this is just the time of life where we've done so much and we're at, and they die and they stand before God and God says what did you do to engage in what I was doing in the world and they were waiting for the perfect opportunity maybe that's you Moving in the right direction accomplishes far more than waiting for the right situation. If you look at verses 40 through 50 of the story, David then steps out when Goliath comes out the next time. And there's Goliath, there's David. And Goliath says, you come to me as a boy with a stick. He says, I'm going to take your body today. I'm going to kill you. Take your body. And I'm going to spread it out for the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David says, I see your sword. I see your javelin. I see your spear. I see all the armies behind you, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. And today I'm going to take your body and the bodies of all your friends behind you and spread them out to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. He doesn't just echo what Goliath said. He takes it up a notch and says, oh yeah, it's all of you that I'm taking out. Now if that had been Sean, I wouldn't have done that. I just wouldn't have gotten a little more bold than he was. He's already a giant. I don't need to take him off. And then if you notice what happens, it says in verse 48, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David did exactly the opposite of what Sean Thornton would have done. David quickly ran out to meet him. I would have been backing up, trying to get the rock into the sling and backing up if he's coming to me. But David runs toward him. He's moving in the direction that he needs to move in. In reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with the sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell down on the ground. Verse 50, so David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Sometimes we make the excuse of waiting for the perfect situation, the perfect storm. Moving in the right direction accomplishes far more than waiting for the right situation. Those of you who remember driving cars before power steering, do you remember that if they were sitting still and you tried to turn that steering wheel, you just couldn't do it. But if it would just be moving, not even one mile per hour, just moving a little bit, you could begin to move it. You could steer it. We in our lives need to be moving in the direction of where God is at work and lean in. And then God steers and guides our lives where we need to go. The answer to excuse number five, I'm waiting for the perfect opportunity, is keep pressing into what God is doing. Keep pressing in. Is your posture leaning in or is it leaning back? Are you holding on to one of these excuses? 
here at Calvary Community Church, if we're going to make a difference in our area, we're going to make a difference in the world, we're going to make a difference in each other's lives, then we can't afford for any of us to be spectators simply watching. We need to lean in and be a part of what God is doing. And that's where deep joy and great satisfaction comes from as we lean in to what he's doing. Have you been making excuses to God? Have you been making excuses to yourself? Look at David. He stepped out of the sidelines and he got down in that valley in the arena where God was at work. We need to do that. I mentioned to you that there's been a lot of disruption in the various ministries because some folks still aren't able to come back into those ministries. Many of them are starting up again. One of the sweet things we've seen is in various ministries where maybe someone who was older and had higher risk of COVID had to step back for a season. We saw other people step up, even young adults, even some teenagers. I heard the story from our staff this week of a young woman named Catherine Bell. I don't know her personally, but I heard her story. She graduated from high school in 2020, so she had that kind of weird school year thing going as a senior as COVID was coming and, and the graduation was all messed up and everything. She'd been a part of our high school ministry. And as soon as she graduated, she jumped into our fresh market ministry where a number of folks had to take a step back who served there. Thank you for those of you who served there. Fresh market every Tuesday, uh, the folks drive in our parking lot and there are tables with, with perishable food. And this is to feed those who are in need and are hungry. And they pull up in their cars and there's a table with meat, and there's a table with vegetables and fruit, there's a table with bread, there's a table with dairy products, and as they move around, items are put in their car to help them and to help them in need, in their need, in Jesus' name. And Catherine heard about this ministry and got plugged in. She now is the leader of the meat table and everything that goes on there every Tuesday morning. She organizes her college classes so she doesn't miss a Tuesday morning to be able to serve. Here's a 19-year-old girl stepping in, and she serves in YA in worship, and she leads a middle school, girls' middle school, small group. And there are hundreds of you, in, and you're engaged, and many of you have been engaged throughout this time. Some of you had to step back, or we had to step back with that ministry, and now there are opportunities. Whether you were engaged, you've been engaged in ministries, or you've been waiting for things to open up again, or you've moved here, or just joined us in recent months, may I encourage you, lean in. Don't miss out on what God is doing. Our post-COVID world needs the body of Christ to be vibrant and strong and representing Jesus well. And one of the main ways we live in love like Jesus right now is to engage in what God is doing in the world. Are you watching or are you engaging in what God is doing in the world today? Maybe you need to call us or email us. You need to reach out to someone. You need to take that next step. What is God telling you is your next step? How is he calling you out of the stands and into the arena? Take that next step. Let's do that so we can make a difference for Jesus in our world today. Lord, thank you for everyone who serves in a variety of ministries, people who plug into small groups, and people who do different ministries, prayer partners and, and Bible studies and people serving our communities, people serving the kids and the students, our, our outreach efforts, our partnerships with global partners. There's so much that goes on. Uh, folks who greeted today, who were working in the parking lot, who ushered, all the various ministries. We know there are opportunities right now as some folks aren't able to come back with us yet to plug in and to serve. And we all have opportunities throughout the things we do faithfully every day to find those big opportunities that might come along to speak up for Jesus, 
to love someone in Jesus' name, whether it's at work or in the community, may we be plugged in. May we be leaning in. May we be out of the stands and into the arena. May we experience the deep joy and great satisfaction of engaging in what God is doing in the world today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.